Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 186 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal privacy. Now, first things first, Angelo, the obligatory Elden Ring discussion begins now. You have 60 seconds on the clock beginning now to talk about it, and then we are moving on to more business. Go. Really? That's all you're giving me? It's, it's tech-related. It's a video game. 55 seconds. Well, I finished Elden Ring this week. I think I had to knock it down a few pegs from being up there with Breath of the Wild because the last boss was very unpleasant. It really soured the whole experience. I still beat it, but the only reason I managed to beat the last boss is he seemed to get stuck in some sort of loop. And I see Brian's not really interested. And I posted this on Twitter that I'd be talking to him about Elden Ring. And now he's not going to want to talk about it because he's not nice. Well, no, it's not that. You've been texting me pretty much on the daily for the last like two weeks about this not really come on here let me pull out the phone let me pull oh, out my no, phone it's fine. I, what's that no 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 no. if you want to you want to dispute this fact hold on let me pull out my phone uh yesterday you talked about elden ring the day before that you talked about elden ring okay okay hold on let me look at friday let me look at friday because we're recording on a monday being excited about a video game friday on gchat so okay. yes <laughs> With that said, I did enjoy the game quite a bit. And even though The Last Boss was felt really cheap, it's fine. The game was great. Highly recommended. And now I'm getting to uh, delve into the lore with uh, all the YouTube channels about it. Really interesting story to this game. It's, it's pretty opaque when you're actually playing the game. It's not really told to you very well. You kind of have to seek it out yourself by basically reading everything that they say with every item. So if you press square on an item, it actually tells you about it and gives you a bit more of the lore. I am too lazy to do all that on my own. So I'll watch people on YouTube tell me all about it. So you'd rather just sit and ingest is what you're telling me. For that part of the game, yeah, because there's so much to it. George R. R. Martin had to do a lot with the background of the game. The earlier stuff that happened, I guess, thousands of years before this is basically setting up the lore. But From Software handled most of it like they have, obviously, for their other games. And these games have really deep lore from what I've learned on, on YouTube. I'm going to probably play Bloodborne uh, in the next few months. As someone who's not really big into uh, From Software, uh, do they have a lot of like extended universe stuff in terms of like, um, non-game items like books and things like that that you could spend your time with? Not that I know of. However, it seems like they're going to be going that route with Elden Ring because there was an announcement recently that they're going to have a lot of extra stuff with Elden Ring that they want to bring out. Makes sense. The game is, I think, the most popular game of this year. And I think like the sixth best-selling game on Steam ever. Okay. So what you're essentially saying is that they've uh, in creating books and things like that, they're giving this game longer legs because you might bring in new fans who might just take uh, part and interact with some of the media and then just want to then play the game. So I think it's a yeah, strategy. Yeah, I mean, you might eventually play it too. Very little chance of me doing that, Angelo. Very little. You're going to go out and buy a PS5 just to play this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll wait for the family-friendly or uh, Switch version in there. Yeah, and, and I just want to say like there's one YouTube channel in particular I've been watching. It's by a YouTuber named uh, Vadi Vidya. Um, he's very popular. He's like a two million, two million followers. Is that what you say on YouTube? Subscribers? Yeah. Subscribers. Two, two million subscribers. More than that. Really well done, highly produced videos about the lore of all these From Software games going back years and years. So lots of for me to watch there. 
Speaking of well-produced videos, Angelo, I sent you a link to a motherboard article entitled at South by Southwest, a pathetic tech future struggles to be born. So essentially um, South by Southwest hasn't happened since 2019, obviously due to the pandemic. And you know, this year's all about the metaverse. It's all about NFTs, web three and crypto and communities. And a lot of people who the uh, author talked to basically were like, I don't get it. Maybe I should buy into it, but I don't get it over and over and over. Essentially, what we think is everything wrong with technology now. Yeah, essentially, like resource heavy kind of initiatives. Um, NFTs, though, while like I understand the silver lining that creators are getting paid a lot, a lot of the, the marketplace that is built up around it seems kind of suspect to me in certain ways. Everything seems suspect about it. It seems like the CD side of the internet, basically, what SEO has been up until now. Yeah, exactly. I saw recently that the Board Ape Yacht Club, um, so it's kind of like a weird thing where you have to ask the company if you can use your Board Ape that you technically own um, for uh, branding opportunities. So, for example, there's going to be a pop-up Board Ape kitchen coming up in the state somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it's just a very kind of weird space to be in these days. Do you feel this is all a fad, all this... NFT stuff and everything surrounding it? Or is this going to be a huge thing in the future where that's how people, like how artists are going to be making money, especially visual artists? Well, I think the big problem too is the lack of regulation right now. So it is the literal wild west of everything. And that includes crypto too, right? And crypto is the a whole other. The wild south by southwest. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? The, exactly. Um, I do think that the crypto space um there's more of a longer history with that, right? Because Bitcoin's been around for uh, more than 10 years at this point. So I feel like there is a little bit of maturity there, despite the amount of like shit coins being released all the time. These pop and up schemes started by influencers who then um, sell out uh, immediately as the tokens go live and people start buying into them. There's a lot of that going on. Why don't people see that for the scam that it is? Well, it's 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 tied around a cult of personality, right? So the idea that you uh, go out there and you're supporting a creator in that way by buying into to what they're selling without understanding that like they don't really care about this crypto coin at the end of the day they just want the money they just want the money absolutely they they team up they partner with a you know um smaller crypto firms who do a bunch of the mining and then just unleash these coins out onto the marketplace and they they don't want the the bitcoin aspect of it. they want the actual traditional money yeah, they want the cash, right? And that's the, the thing. real they don't, actual they don't the money. Fiat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like this very confusing space. Um, I suggest everyone go read the article and, you know, uh, sigh heavily a bunch of times because I know I did. I'm very pessimistic. I'm very pessimistic about this because of the lack of, of legitimacy. And I just don't mean um, in terms of like government regulations or intervention. I just mean generally speaking, um, its adoption has been very niche. And y- did you watch the very awkward... Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, Paris Hilton talking about the Bored Apes. No, video. I did that not happened watch a while that. back. Okay, so if you go take a look at that, you'll you'll feel it's like the height of of what is wrong with this movement. Once again, I just I think that like until we see widespread adoption, like I was talking, and this is another article that mentions augmented reality or virtual reality, right? So you know, existing in the meta space or the metaverse. Once again, very niche. I don't think the tech is up there enough for people to get interested on a wide scale basis either. The vast majority of people have no idea what this is, though. They've Correct. heard it. If you try to ask someone to uh, define what Web3 is, they'll just stare at you, probably. No, then, yeah, they'll look for a spider. <laughs> I would love to do a man on the street and just ask people all about that and see where it goes. 
Look, I'm interested in technology. I would not be able to explain to you what Web3 is. It's all about communities, Angelo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember back in the day when Web 2.0 was the buzzword. Yes. And it ends up being invisible at the end of the day. Well, I mean, Web 2.0 is just user-generated content, right? And that's all it really is at the end of the day. It, it's never re- revolutionary. When I think of Web 2.0, I just think of MySpace, honestly, at that point, you know? Yeah, I mean, that that's what ushered in Face FaceTime, no, Facebook, and... MySpace and Friendster and all those, a lot of them that just died out and Facebook basically took over everything and has ruined the world. Correct. And uh, once again, uh, creating disastrous results. Speaking of another titan who's created disastrous results, I sent you a Business Insider article all about how um, Amazon's Project Iliad made canceling Prime subscriptions much harder. And I found this really interesting because this is a part of marketing that I I know a bit about in terms of doing research. And yeah, it's just uh, an underhanded way in terms of reducing churn. So churn is the idea of you leaving a service. Yeah, I've I haven't tried to leave Prime, but I do find it really difficult in many cases to return items. Yeah, I have had multiple problems trying to um, both get the right item and then re- returning other yeah. items um, in the last little while. The I three- mean, once you find it, they make the return process really easy. They send your shipping label well, to print and all that. That that part is actually easy, but finding it sometimes either online or in the app, I find a chore. Something like canceling a service. It's like, you know, when you want to cancel your subscription to New York Times that you signed up online, but you actually have to call them. Yeah, which is uh, a type of dark pattern, right? So dark pattern is a marketing term that is like an underhanded way in which, digitally speaking, you uh, forces you to do something like sign up or try to cancel or try to avoid you from canceling. Um, so there's a lot of that going on in this sphere. And it's very interesting that Amazon has tried this. So essentially what they've done is they put a bunch of barriers in place. And then recently, uh, over the weekend, I had ordered something from Amazon that I couldn't find anywhere else, tried a bunch of other websites before finally setting on Amazon. And when you go to the shipping options, the free shipping is no longer the default one like it used to be. It's oh. now the expe- yeah, it's the expedited shipping that is the default one. Yeah, I, I'm one of the suckers that pays for Prime. Although... I initially got Prime to watch stuff on Prime Video. And then when I mentioned this to several people, they didn't realize Prime Video existed and they were just paying for Prime for the free shipping. Oh, really? That's super interesting. A lot of the content is also available on the Fox-owned Tubi app slash website. Yeah, you you turned me on to that. It's it's quite good. There's some random stuff on there and obviously you have to watch ads, but it still exists. Super interesting. I don't mind Prime. I look like I've, I've told you many times, and we mentioned at the top of the show that I've just been playing Elden Ring. I haven't watched much TV in the last, I, basically since I got my PS5. Really, is is uh, speaking of like you know tech. There's tech that's garbage like this stuff in terms of dark patterns and NFTs. But there's some tech that brings us joy, like uh, the PlayStation, the Switch. These things are great. But eventually, they'll start selling NFTs, special special cars in Gran Turismo that are NFT only. <laughs> yeah, I recently, I've been watching a lot of movies recently. I saw Last Night in Soho, the Edgar Wright movie. I watched uh, Licorice Pizza. I watched the Stallone recut of Rocky IV that came out uh, last year. Yeah, that's with uh, with Batman in it, right? Yeah, exactly. Batman just swoops in at the end and just beats everyone. No, he, uh, Stallone, like, never was a fan of the robot, so he got rid of the robot. Licorice Pizza looks actually pretty interesting because somebody from one of my favorite bands is in it. So it's, it's true. I would find it interesting uh, to have you watch it, and then we could do like a mini review capsule in the near future. Does Alana Heim sing in it? Uh, she does not. No. Oh, too bad. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been popping popping off on the movies. We watched the first two Kingsman recently. Uh, I don't remember if I, remember if I mentioned that in the last episode. I saw the Batman. 
um, which will be available on video on demand uh, late April. So, Angela, you can finally catch up with that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm not going to see it in the theater. Spider-Man finally showed up, though. Yeah, Kingsman showed up on Disney on my feed, and the kids were like, what's that? That seems interesting. And I said, no. <laughs> uh, Kingsman Last Duel, right? Uh, West Side Story. There's a bunch of stuff on there I'd like to, to get to. There's so m- there's, right now, there's so much good stuff to watch, and I have not been watching it because I keep playing video games and well, because I'm that's a teenager on you. now. So from uh, your uh, PS5 all the way to talking about uh, your eternal kind of like uh, uh, problem or your eternal wish of uh, upgrading a computer, the Mac Studio has finally been reviewed. Last episode, we weren't sure what was happening, right? I was hoping for a new 27-inch iMac, which basically the opposite happened and that Apple essentially kind of ended their presentation with saying that there's only one more mac to go and it's the mac pro with no mention of the 27 inch imac now there's some people saying that well an imac is already out so there's nothing stopping them from coming out with a bigger version which makes sense Uh, the mac studio though great computer a little more than i need like it's 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 expensive and more than i need but let's say let's say my imac died tomorrow okay it's basically the only choice I would have to buy. I don't want a laptop. Why not? And I because I, I need the bigger screen, right? Yeah, but you can buy a screen. For for exceedingly cheap these days too. Like my my 4K monitor was only 200 bucks. Not to not to be pedantically Apple fanboyish, but it's not the same resolution, right? You you're not going to get a Do you really need that though? Yes. For for Excel, yeah. Okay, what do you need what do you need your high resolution? Um, display for explain i i'm used to it now it would be no basically but that's not like, an answer that's not an answer i'm used to it is not an answer what do you need i'm a not high gonna resolution? get another computer my next computer not be a downgrade from what i have that's the way i look at it in terms of what though the monitor right i'm not downgrading from this amazing 5k imac screen to, but what do you need it for essentially is what i'm trying to get to like you haven't given me a good answer beyond like oh there's nothing i need it for need it. it is okay. it that's is like, pure that's what joy I'm trying to point out. and the like the fact that i'm not gonna downgrade what i have <laughs> when i get a new computer right i'm gonna like the only thing i'm gonna do is upgrade that's the problem i face the studio monitor i i no problem paying for that it's it's worth the the money it, it, it that they're charging for it the problem with the studio though is that there's a lot of compute power in there that I probably will never use. And I would be fine with a Mac Mini. The problem with a Mac Mini is that they only go up to 16 gigabytes. And I usually keep my Macs for seven or eight years, and I don't see 16 gigabytes lasting eight years from now. So I'd want to get the 32. When I got this iMac, I got it with eight, knowing that I could upgrade to 16, which I did about two years later. So just to confirm, the studio's play is, is 2000 bucks. So you'd get it for 2000 bucks. It's less than that because I have an educational discount. It's okay, so it's, eight, it's eighteen hundred bucks then. I think it's oh, is it? I think it's eighteen sixty nine. Yeah, so you'd be paying four K for your computer, essentially. Yeah, but I had budgeted for a Mac, an iMac Pro, which was six thousand, and this is actually less than six thousand dollars. So instead of once again getting a beefed up laptop with a display for half, but I don't that want price. a laptop. I don't want a laptop at all. I really don't. Because with these desktops, you have a lot more I.O., right? Like, look how, much, look how much you have with this. You have four USB-C ports. You have two USB-A ports. You have two USB-C ports in the front. But I for, use a lot of that stuff. So what do you use it for? So, like, your mic? I have my external uh, audio. I have wires for my keyboard and my uh, trackpad that I charge with those, right? 
Sure. I have two external hard drives hooked up. So none, And that's the other thing. A laptop, I have external hard drives that are constantly hooked up to it. With a laptop, there's no point in me spending the extra money on a laptop when I can get more compute power with a desktop. Do you see what I mean? Once again, folks, uh, let us know how delusional you think Angelo Fiorentino is. No, you're wrong Twitter on this, Brian. You're totally wrong on this. No. For, for me, for a laptop, I'd be overpaying for less power. You, okay, but you understand the package here of you spending $4,000, right? Uh, for but a I'm not monitor. going to. I'm not going to. The plan is to get a Mac Mini once, once they hopefully allow it to have 32 gigabytes. But what I'm saying is like right now, right? You'd be right spending $4,000. Right now, $4, if, if this Mac broke, yes. I'd, yes. I, or alternatively, I would buy the Mac Mini that's available now and then just sell it later when a new one comes out. Like get exchange that more quickly, which is a nice thing about having a separate monitor and desktop computer, I guess. Double density. One last thing I wanted to bring up on the tech section, Angela, is something that is very infuriating to me. In, so last week, I started dropping a signal to the internet. So basically, my modem started cutting out. And uh, the downstream, uh, the uh, down and upstream uh, lights kept going off. And then the internet light would also go off at like a very regular interval of like 10 to 15 minutes. So I called my ISP and the woman um, explained to me, she's like, you know, you have to unplug your coax cable, blah, 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 redo it. So I did all of that and uh, it took a while for it to come back. And so uh, an hour later, the same thing started reproducing itself. I was losing power, blah, blah, blah. So I called the customer service again and basically what had happened is the first call i felt a little bit gaslit because i knew something was wrong and the second call confirmed it because what happened is that the the service rep put me on hold uh called the isp because what happens is that i have one of these isps that like borrows lines from another isp and they confirmed that there was an outage in my area why did they do that the first time that's what i'm trying to figure out you know what i think would solve your problem what kind of monitor do you have? <laughs> I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say like get a satellite hookup or something. Yeah, no, it's your monitor. I'm pretty sure it's yeah, because no, you, don't have, you have a, well, you don't have the proper 5K monitor. Well, the funny thing that had happened is that the first time, so the way that my room is set up, where the coax cable comes into the apartment, I have to plug the modem into a power bar because it cannot reach the the wall outlet. So the woman was like, "Sir, please plug it into the wall outlet." So I I did some magic. And I, I move the modem around because it's also attached to the router. Why would that make any difference? Apparently, um, apparently some of the grounding controls in the um, power bar will affect modem performance. But it actually was worse when I just plugged it in to the wall socket. So I just moved that is it right false back. information you've been. Given. I know. I know. I really felt gaslit, honestly. And so what had happened is that the next day, same problem. I call. They make me do the entire thing again, despite the fact that I'd done it before calling. And uh, they once again confirmed that there was an outage in the area. That the, It seemed to be a non-physical outage. It was some kind of IP uh, mapping issue that was like prevalent in my area. That happened with me with my former ISP where they kept telling me the problems on my end and they wanted me to reboot this and restart this. And I said, look, I've done all this. I don't, can I speak to somebody who can tell me if there's a problem in my area? It took 45 minutes, but it was finally put through to somebody who can tell me there was a problem in my area. There you go. So many hoops yeah. to jump through. And once again, we're talking about dark patterns. I know yeah. it's not a dark pattern. It was just a lack of due diligence from the first customer service rep. And I get it. I wasn't mad or anything. No, I was just like, when I called back, though. when I called back, the super pleasant man put me on hold and then checked it out and said, yeah, you know what? Seems like you're right. 
I have I have had that with uh, with my ISP right now, where every once in a while it'll go out, but it's not it's not that often. But anytime I call tech support, they're always really on the ball and say, "Yeah, there's a problem," or "Oh, you actually discovered a problem. We'll report this now." And they're very good about it. I I, I appreciate good customer service, and, and I mean that's what you would get with a studio display from Apple, <laughs> right? Of course. So it, all it these comes, things it comes are piling it. up, Brian, to let you know this is why I want one. If you ask anybody who has an LG monitor, they will tell you it is complete garbage. I have listened to the guys on ATP talk about their LG monitor. Next time we have Casey Liss on the show, ask him about his LG monitor. What I do love, though, is that you said everyone and then three individuals. So is it three individuals? No, no, but like everyone. No, uh, Tyler and Alex, who have both been on the show, have used LG monitors and they both swear how much they are garbage. Well, you know what? If anyone has any, um, and they um, are probably listening to this right now, nodding their heads, if or, saying, has any or I will be getting LG a text monitors. message from them saying, "No, you're wrong, Angelo. You're wrong. We love our LG monitors." Uh, this might be the most contentious like text section we've had in a long time, and I love I know, it. But I wait, love but it. But it's yeah. It's I hope people aren't upset. Yeah. So if anyone has any experiences with their LG monitors, please by all means double underscore density over on Twitter. And with that, Angelo, I will see you on the paranormal side of things. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this episode uh, is brought to you by a very um, YouTube-centered, centric video that I linked you to recently that I found over, um, clicking around on Reddit. It's a video entitled, WikiLeaks email implies the Vatican has proof of alien life. And while, um, let's take a step back first, right? So this is no new news. Um, This came out as part of the Podesta email leak that uh, WikiLeaks undertook um, five, six years ago. And this was pre our um, start of Double Density, so I figured it'd be fun to talk about uh, a bit here. The name of the video, though, is a bit of a misnomer because of the fact that um, the Vatican doesn't actually have any proof of alien life, or not. They're not implying. They're not implying it at all. The video you sent me, I ha- it's it's called UFO research, but I, I when I say research, I, I say it with heavy quotes around it. I couldn't tell actually if the voiceover was real. Or one of those fake ones, but I think you said it's real. It's just like really dramatic reading of it. Yeah, I, the inflection is natural enough for me to make uh, it seem like it's a real person um, and not a highly trained. Uh, what is it like a, a, a type to speech robot? And the stock footage they use is pretty great. My favorite was the one of the man in black saying like shush, shushing you. Yeah, which is a bunch of like stock images or stock videos, right? It's really bad. And they just kept going back to the Pope Francis picture of him just looking really dour during mass, knowing that aliens exist. Yeah, exactly. And as always, like checking the comment section, checking the C section of this YouTube video always generates some gold. One of the people here, there's a few humans in the video I'm a little leery of. God help us all was one comment. Another comment from J- uh, Junior Mac, I assume, JNR Mac. Who we know as God is an ET playing at being a God. This means these ET playing God is not actually... God, not the creator. Not quite sure what they're trying to get to there. Uh, one of the people in the video is uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, and someone said they never went to the moon. <laughs> I which thought ties you were about into, to say, I thought you were going to say one of the people in the comments is astronaut Edgar Mitchell. <laughs> from the grave, yes, because yeah. he's uh, uh, passed some time ago. Yeah, in uh, 2016, I think. Yeah, exactly. So Edgar Mitchell is uh, uh, a bit of an interesting person, apart from being like the fifth or sixth person who landed on sixth. the moon. Sixth. Okay, perfect. Also the founder, and we've discussed this before, of the Noetic Sciences um, Institute. A uh, lot of science also in heavy quotes there. 
Yeah, exactly. So towards the end of his life, he was heavily advocating um, for John Podesta to meet with Edgar Mitchell and uh, just a, a bunch of <sighs> Well, nonsense. I mean, Podesta is an interesting character in that he's very interested in figuring out this whole UFO thing. How, uh, you know, is he thinking that aliens are visiting the Earth or does he think something else, right? He's never really come out and said it like like somebody like Bigelow does, right? Where he says he knows there's aliens. Podesta has never said that. He's just pushing for the ever-coming uh, disclosure. Yeah, so it's uh, out there in the sort of like a, the realm of existence, almost, I would say. And the articles you gave me kind of reminded me how much, well, it, it made, I guess it makes it seem that way, how much uh, Tom DeLong was in communication with uh, John Podesta. Well, he sent him a bunch of emails, right? And this is pre uh, to the stars, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so an email was sent to John Podesta um, uh, from both Edgar Mitchell as well as his colleague, Terry Mansfield, um, trying to set up a meeting to talk about ETIs or extra uh, terrestrial intelligence. So, yeah. And what does this have to do with the Vatican? Well, he was. Or is this they the point also, that it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, they're also intimating that the Vatican ha- is aware of these extraterrestrial intelligences too, right? So it's kind of like a a whole circle. So basically, it's a lot of secondhand information. So the video title of the the YouTube video is essentially third hand information. Yes, this sounds like a bad Dan Brown novel. Like, I mean, some of his novels have to do with the Vatican and noetic science, so it's all there together. <laughs> maybe you should start a new career like a career pivot as someone who like writes these a novel yeah like one of these one of these uh you know da vinci style uh, da vinci code style books i mean as long as i have uh, a display that can show me the text in crisp 5K, very important when you zoom in yeah. at uh, what like two thousand percent yeah i need to be able to see it right well towards the end of his life dr uh, uh mitchell was like very big on like signing space treaties yeah, so the, that was another uh, thing of the stock footage where they showed like students in a cafeteria on laptops and they were talking about this part of the government that deals with that. Yeah, so I'm not really, really big on That's that. That's the that incorrect kind of... stock footage for that is what I, I felt when I heard that. But then that led me down a rabbit hole uh, to an article entitled, uh, sorry, from America, the Jesuit Review. And the name of the article from last year is entitled, UFOs are back in the news and Catholics are ready to deal with any theological questions on alien life. Angelo, initial thoughts as uh, someone who was birthed Catholic. Does it leave it open for aliens? Well, only if the aliens look like us, right? Because we've been made in God's image and if he made everything... No issues with religion. If they don't look like us, there's there's some problems. So that's an interesting conundrum, I think, and it's one that's it's sort of like raised uh, indirectly in this article. So at the beginning of the article uh, by Charles Camosi mentions uh, how he had uh, met a Jesuit brother Guy Consul Magno, who is the head of the Vatican Observatory and is also sometimes called the Pope's astronomer. And uh, uh, the author asks him if he'd be willing to baptize an alien. And the brother's answer is... Only if she asked, which is an interesting point. Consent is big. Yeah, why force religion onto people? Well, when you consider the amount of uh, Mormon people, right, who rebaptize the dead, it's kind of an interesting kind of like um, uh, twist here to that. Well, and so Mormonism is cool with aliens, right? Because it's, there are other planets in in Mormonism. Is I I don't I guess I'm not too familiar with it, but I, I remember hearing stuff about other planets. No. I am not well enough versed to talk about okay. like Or that. am I getting them confused with Scientology? I hope not. There's, it's, yeah, I mean, like, probably Scientology. Oh, maybe. Okay. 
Um, so it's very interesting that like uh, uh, these kinds of like angels and demons and all of these sort of other um, otherworldly creatures exist uh, in religious texts, right? So why couldn't aliens fit into this fabric too? We're all created as part of this universe, right? Like whatever created the universe, which uh, in my opinion, it was just science of some kind. And if that science involves some overseeing being, then so be it. But I don't. I I would hope that people would be open to aliens arriving to Earth if they ever did. Do you think they will? We won't see that. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, like I mean, if all these things happening out in the world don't like raise their alarms or antennas, will. figuratively yeah. or literal, we're not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, because people kept saying that there were all those sightings during the Cold War because of the Cold War. I mean, we've discussed this before, but like the ETH doesn't fit neatly into this, right? The extraterrestrial hypothesis doesn't really fit well into this um, more orderly way of thinking about extraterrestrials as part of a larger cosmic web of beings, all um, uh, owing to God for yeah. their creation, right? And do, do what, what do we call it when there's aliens underground? The crypto-terrestrial, is that the other way of saying that? Yes. Right, that's another hypothesis where, no, these aliens are not coming from other places. They're coming from Earth, just either from other times or from uh, the inner Earth. The, the, what are the, we're the hollow Earth, right? There's a whole theory about that. Yeah, and all the mole men, right? Yeah, and they fight with the flat earthers. Yeah, exactly. And all of the, um, the ley lines are just like ways in which they can interact. They're like holes in the ground, right, where they just pop up and in. I have a serious question. What do flat earthers think about aliens? That's a good question. I'm not quite sure. Let me just Google that. Flat Earthers. I mean, like, uh, Flat Earth doesn't prevent. Like, they prevent they'd have to, the yeah, they have to get over the ice wall. But I mean, if they have UFOs, they can easily get over the ice wall. All right. So I just Google this. And this is an article from February 15th of 2022. And the title is, uh, and it's from Indy100.com. Flat Earther claims that NASA makes us believe in aliens so that we'll shoot Jesus if he returns. Okay, so they're not with the alien train there. There's a lot going on here in this article. <laughs> well, add it to the show notes, and I'll put it in the uh, in the links. Oh, boy. Angelo, what do you think? Uh, I mean, like, that's an interesting um, and obviously wrong way of looking at things. Very wrong. Also, this is the strange thing. A flat earther claims that NASA makes us believe in aliens, but NASA hasn't come out right and said that aliens as, like, physical beings exist. They're too busy disproving flat Earth. Right, they're too busy, um, or constructing the ice wall, right, that surrounds the flat Earth. They're faking us out with those satellite images of the Earth. <laughs> that continuously have existed for dozens of years, and before that, uh, all these hypotheses explaining how the Earth rotation worked. Yeah, they need to talk to Edgar Mitchell. Uh, from the grave. Maybe, yeah. Towards the end of the article, though, there were some really interesting questions that I kind of wanted to, to bring up here with you. So the author asks... Did Jesus die for non-human persons or would they need their own incarnation and savior? Or maybe they didn't have a primeval original sin that disordered their nature and environment and therefore wouldn't have the happy fault that produced our particular history of salvation. Are they governed by our sense of right and wrong or would it be quite different or would they be capable of sinning at all? Interesting questions. The idea of uh, uh, an, a non-human sentient um, species having different moral standards I found was kind of interesting because the notion that uh, an alien being would come save us from uh, nuclear Armageddon presupposes their uh, ability to have a certain set of, of morals that are similar to ours. Yeah, they have to actually care about us or 
some people have said, are we just ants in the way? Of a, a grander cosmic kind of Yeah, existence. we're not like, you know, they're just going to bulldoze over Earth to make a space superhighway like they did in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It almost feels as though uh, uh, we are like a cosmic sin, right? In the way of like a grander happiness in some ways, I guess. Yeah, and then what if what if there's different gods for different sectors of the universe, right? They have their own little god. We have ours. Partitions. Yeah, you know, different servers. <laughs> Well, I mean, like when you think back to like, um, you know, ancient Egypt or, uh, you know, Nordic traditions, there are, they had their own gods. Yeah. They had their own gods. Right. And their own set of gods, not just one. It wasn't monotheistic. Yeah. So what, what, what changed? I think that a predominant version of religion became very popular and has been continued for the last, uh, two millennia essentially. And so, uh, Western and Eastern thought have kind of converged upon uh this one line of thinking uh, and yeah. I'm spe- i say eastern and western in terms of like catholic and protestant religions kind of like christianity in general or most offshoots of christianity i should say because i mean even here on earth there's different religions that believe totally different things and others that don't believe anything right so and that's one of the reasons where we point nukes at each other yeah and we wonder are the aliens that way too I often wonder too, like not often, like once in a while, because I don't spend a lot of time thinking about this. But it I keeps spend you up at a night with time. your eyes open, staring at your LG monitor. Yeah, <laughs> lightly flickering due to its yeah. low quality. Um, but I sometimes wonder, you know, like uh, uh, what their not just necessarily moral code, but like also like societal structure um, would look like. Um, and I'm saying aliens in general, but I do mean like uh, uh, any kind of particular sense because they're in theory could be multiple sets from multiple planets that exist and they all each have their own uh, moral codes, um, societal structures, right? In the, the way in which um, caste systems, things like that. Different cut of silver jumpsuit. Yeah. All these like different things that kind of add to um, society in general and any kind of class system. Which ones make space pancakes? <laughs> yeah. What kind of moral code do they have? Is it based on hunger? They're the ones that are vaguely Italian looking, aren't they? Yeah. Are aliens capable of sinning, Angela? Is a really interesting question, right? Because based on our standards, um, no one's actually died from an alien encounter directly, right? Like, no one's been vaporized to death that we know of. Uh, weren't there some cases in Brazil where some people were injured? <sighs> injured, badly? but not, yeah, injured, but not like, you know, like, for example, like, let's take San Mikolak, right? Falcon Lake. Yeah, I mean, he got hurt. Burned, right? But not dead. But no, okay, so nothing like Mars attacks type of thing. No, exactly. Though we know, right? But then you start getting into like the underground bases, talking about like uh, captured aliens, the weird alien human wars that happened, and things like that, right? The Dulce Air Base, right? The Dulce Air Base, and Paul Benowitz believing and intercepting all these things. And then uh, John Lear in the late 80s, early 90s had also claimed that like there are alien beings there, and then the idea of a shootout that has happened there. I just thought of something. Are. Any prominent ufologists very religious as well? Ooh, that's a good question. Because if they believe in aliens and they're religious, then it doesn't, nothing stops you from being religious and thinking aliens are out there. It just falls into uh, quote unquote God's plan. It's true. I mean, um, there are numerous, like the Raelians, for example, right? Like the Raelians, there's a religious component to that. Um, things like but they're just State. that's more of a cult, right? Those are. The, I mean, I mean they're, they're technically not, a religion too. Yeah, I guess there's but a it's doctrine religion based with on, it. but it's based on aliens, right? I, I'm more con- wondering: are there any Christians 
that are prominent ufologists or vice versa, right? Prominent ufologists that are Christians. That's a really good question. I'd love to hear from anyone. I don't know of any offhand, right? I only know the other way around in which there are um, cults slash religions based on doctrine created um, through the idea of alien existence. Okay, so look, let's let's put it out to our listeners. If anybody listening is is religious and believes in aliens, let us know. What? How does this affect you? I would love to hear from people. Yeah. We have uh, Twitter accounts that you can write to. We have emails you can write to. We can send us mail by, by post. Yeah, if you want to send us something by the mail, DM the show account, and I'll give you my address. No problem. You can come visit me if you want. Uh, also, before I forget, Angelo, you were correct about Mormonism. I'm reading now here on this very handy Wikipedia page about how, uh, according to Mormon scripture, the earth is just one of many inhabited worlds. Okay. See, I knew I had heard that. I just I didn't want to insult any of our Mormon listeners by completely misconstruing the religion. It's interesting, too, because the sentence then goes on to say, there are many governing heavenly bodies, including the planet of star Kolob, which is said to be the nearest to the throne of God. So, Angela, I want you, I want to take you on a ride to Kolob. Okay. We can go there with the Raelians. Do you think we can hitch a ride? And I don't mean like a Heaven's Gate style, like, and I'm sorry for the pun, but like a Heaven's Gate style ride. Let's not do that. No, that would be awful. I want a literal ride. I don't want a figurative uh, soul ride. Years ago... All the aliens seemed to come from Venus until we figured out Venus was like a, a, a lump of gas that was... I was supposed to say a gassy mess. Yeah. Like it, you couldn't... Like you'd land on the surface and melt. But maybe once again, like hollow Earth, there is a tinier planet inside of it that coexists. It's possible, but... <laughs> possible, but not probable. Not probable. No. Just like disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to read more about uh, Mormon cosmology later than in this case. This is, looks quite fascinating. And it's not something that I've, I've gotten into much of. And I, I can see how one would confuse that with Scientology. Yeah. I'm curious to read more discourse around organized religion and, and um, alien civilizations and how they handle that. I find that interface very interesting, right? Because, I mean, other people have said that, like, oh, hey, like, and coming back to that stupid flat earther story, like, Jesus is an alien, right? And God is an astronaut. Of course. He's, he's the person running the simulation. I thought that was Elon Musk. No, no, he's in the simulation. Oh, Elon is part of the and simulation. He's, and, like, now there's, now the, there's going to be a fighting component, component to the simulation where he's apparently going to fight Vladimir Putin. So that'll be interesting. Very did much you see classic. that? He, he, he challenged him to a fight. I did, and very much, uh, very quickly in order. So we're recording here on Monday, March 21st. Who knows uh, what will happen between now and Wednesday morning, the 23rd, when we come out, and uh, maybe Elon Musk uh, has fought Vladimir Putin and taken him down. Maybe. Probably not, though. That man, by the way, is very paranoid of COVID. I don't know if we talked about this last episode, but all those hilarious images of him at long tables are great. Putin or Elon Putin. Musk? Putin. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't want to get sick, so... It shows weakness. That is, uh, that is very correct. Angela, I feel like this is a very logical place to end our terrestrial-based uh, um, podcast, episode 186 of the Double Density Podcast. And I said podcast twice because I didn't know where I was going with that sentence until I reached the end of it. And I'm going to ask you to leave that in. If anyone wants to contact us, Angelo, uh, you know the drill in theory. You just mentioned how people could reach us. So go ahead and give the specifics. Is it uh, double underscore density? Uh, on Twitter. Twitter handle, yeah, on Twitter, and then Double uh, Density double podcast, podcast on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yep, yeah, and we have the Double Density podcast on Gmail. That is right? correct. Yeah, look at that on I'm the Gmail, my, and then the, DoubleDensity.net, our website. You can yeah, see our pasty white faces. Get an idea. I of, feel like that's the best place to go to because all the information is there. It's true. All of the ways in which you can subscribe to us 
on all the major podcasting platforms are right there on the front page. You can see all of the episodes. Control F, get an idea, or you know, uh, Command F, depending which environment you're in. Bad, better search, Command F. Take a look, figure things out, see if there's something that interests you. And as always, if you feel so inclined, you can always leave a review on any number of these um, platforms or stores to let people know what you truly think of Double Density and Angelo's um, lust for uh, burning money. Yeah, if you want to explain to Apple. Brian how he's wrong about displays, you can do that too. We that would, is, uh, and then today that discussion is as heated as double density gets. <laughs> that's question. We have been quite civilized uh, in in 186 episodes. I think this is like one of the testiest exchanges we've had. I kind of I'm here for it. Yeah, and I don't think even think it was. So that's that's the crazy part. I guess we're just too civilized. I think we need yeah, to get Brian into more and I hustling. have never had an argument in the entire time we've known we, each other. We need to make podcast enemies, I think. Like, let's get a podcast rivalry going with someone and just really, like, go to war on them. There's that um, indie podcast, Joe Rogan something. Yeah, maybe him. Oh, Joe, Joseph Rogan. Yes, I yeah. think I've heard of him. Yeah. Challenge him to a fight. No, but seriously, if anyone wants to fight us, uh, double edge for <laughs> density over on Twitter. Uh, Any religious up, alien podcasts. Yeah, let's set up a boxing match, perhaps, right? Yeah. That's how fist, fisticuffs are the way to, to deal with these things. You can invade me in Elden Ring. <laughs> and with that, Angelo, this is it for episode 186 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, uh, you can tune in next episode and find out just how many different religions Angelo truly, truly belongs to. See you then. Bye, everybody.